You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 119 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Happy New Year! We're excited to start the year with Amplify Horse Racing for a collab episode. We then catch up with Winnie Morgan Nemeth from New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program to share how to look up history on your standard bread, and we introduce our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned! And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, Kristen, I know we're recording this early, but listeners will be hearing this after the new year, but um, would love everyone to know if I sound a little strange, it's because my... Dear loving partner, Zach, gifted me RSV this holiday season. Not a pie. Way to go, Zach. (laughs) Not a pie. So the good news is he is also in the same boat. Um, I wouldn't call it good news. I feel bad for him, actually. (laughs) Not a good thing to share. If listeners are like, why is she like this? Um, It's definitely not a new trend. It's not to sound a certain level of sexy. Uh, this is I just... mean, it was working. I'm very turned on right now, Joy. Well, there we go. That's one. <laughs> right off oh, the bat. All right. Happy New Year, folks. Here Happy we go. New Year. <laughs> um, but it's oh it's okay. Other than that, like feeling pretty good. I just I'm excited to get back to riding because I got a new saddle today, and I, I can't go try it out, and that is really bumming me out, Kristen. Oh man. <laughs> It's the worst. You're like just looking at it. Like, problems right there. Well, yeah, but that's still, it's still, a, it's an equestrian problem. It soon is. though. Soon though. It will be soon. There. We're like counting down the days and it's not quite Christmas yet as we're recording this. Um, so I'm hoping at least my Christmas present is I will be perfectly healthy. I'll have my normal voice again and I will be in my new saddle and I will hope it fits because I swear if it doesn't. I, I'm probably going to blow my vocal cords. It might be easier at this point to keep the saddle and just find a new horse. Just kidding. We would never do that to Astrid. I know. Like at this point, I'm like, I don't need like a sugar daddy. I need like a sugar saddle fitter. Mm. Is that a thing? Yeah, we should make it a thing. I don't know how to get that. I'll started, take applications but... <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. yeah. If anybody knows, please uh, send us a message at Retired Racehorse Radio. <laughs> yes. If anyone knows of a sugar saddle fitter. Yeah. That'd be hit great. me up. <laughs> Well, how about you? What are you up to? Not a whole lot, actually. Like December is our quiet month. I mean, it's my quiet month at work, and I like just turn to like a lot of like homey indoor things. Um, so you know, American Fair dough is still cooking, like we mentioned last time, having a lot of fun with him. Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to episode 118. But yeah, like I actually try intentionally to not do a lot of riding in December and focus on all the stuff I've been putting off all year with my horses. So this year it's getting everybody like real cool with being alone some of the time. So when we lost Gandalf in November, now we're just down to three horses, which means if Eric and I are both riding, someone is going to have to be left alone somewhere. So 
you know, just for general safety sake, like all of my horses, I want them to be comfortable with being alone. Yeah. They're generally good about going out it's and riding. It's such a alone. hard skill. Like to it's teach a really hard thing to teach. So, so what I'm trying to do, you know, to to be fairly efficient in my training, you know, so I'm not burning like my limited hours of daylight at the barn doing this is I'll bring one horse in, that horse gets groomed, goes and does a little bit of work. So groundwork mostly. Um, Jabra's been doing a lot of lunging and some hiking. Shorty's been getting like just body work, but outside, like out in the driveway of the barn. Um, and Wes, I actually do ride from time to time. Uh, Wes is learning how to lunge because I don't think he's ever been lunged in his life. Um, and he is the the go-to reliable winter riding horse for checking cows yeah. and stuff. But anyway, one horse goes out and works. That horse comes in and then is served his grain meal tied in the barn. And then a second horse comes in. I take that horse out and do something brief with that. So the horse that was in the barn has to see the horse come in and then leave. So then that horse is like, you are alone. And then there's a horse that's out in the paddock that is also alone. And then everybody just has to be okay with being alone. So I don't know if there's a better way to do that. It's knock wood. It's been working pretty well. Um, Jobber is usually the worst offender. And he's been standing fairly quietly in the barn as the first horse uh, and eating and not like pawing a hole in the wall or pulling himself loose or pooping everywhere, you know, being a disaster. So I think, I think it's working. I'll report back again in a couple episodes. That's amazing. I'm actually <laughs> Millie, who is the horse I have in training. She hates being, and that's interesting. It's like other horses can be in the barn, but she wants to be where the people are. She doesn't want oh, to be that's left interesting. Alone. She does not want to be the decision maker. That is not her vibe. I'm learning mm. very quickly. And it's funny because the 12 year old girl who owns her, they have the exact same personality. I was like, this is going to be very interesting. <laughs> So I've been working with her to like be comfortable in being in a space by herself. And so I'll have her cross tied and ours have like the bailing twine. So if she were to pull, like it's going to break very easily, right. but I'll like walk behind her because our uh, observation room is there. So I'll walk up behind her, come back, give her some scratches because she, she is a very much positive reinforcement kind of girly. She'd rather have scratches than food. And then I'll walk to my tack locker and I come back and then I go to the like somewhere else in the barn and just slowly increasing that time where she knows like someone's always got to come back and it's okay for me to be here. She was getting so antsy and pacey and mm. you know, for a 12 year old, that's a lot to deal with. She wasn't dangerous, but you know, might as well try to make it as easy as possible. And she's progressing really well with that type of training, yeah. but it's hard. It's hard. And it's like, I guess this is correct, right? Like, they don't really write like a playbook. It's a trial and error. Yeah, you just sort of figure out what works. So the next step will be, um, you know, January and February, Eric starts riding more again because his hunting seasons are over. Um, So then we'll start close to the barn, riding two with one in the paddock. And we'll just gradually start to make that radius a little bit bigger and eventually get out of sight. So we're not going to go like right out right away because I think that's going to be a recipe for disaster for whoever is left behind. But we're just going to start like getting further and further away and hope it goes well. (laughs) Well, the (laughs) nice thing about winter rides is they're so much shorter too. Yeah, we're not going out for hours and hours and miles away anyway. so Unless you hate your life, but (laughs) no. Gosh, no. Although, I don't know, it's been a kind of a warm winter, so, which I honestly, unpopular opinion, I'd prefer some snow because it's so yeah, much cleaner. Yeah, the mud is killer. Yeah. Have you ever tried to keep a border collie in this? It does not work. No, but Sage looks so happy. <laughs> she post. is happy. She's just filthy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well. I totally get you. Like, this winter, Astrid's just getting focused on retraining her brain because I've always, like, 
I think I just enabled this like seven to 10 minutes of brilliance. And if you listen to our last episode with Coach Jen, really starting to embrace this concept of like, she's never been taught to work through intervals. It's always been, we do the hard work and then I get to rest and then you leave me alone. And I kind of caved into that because I was so focused on ending on a good note. I didn't want to over push. I'm like, maybe she's unfit. Maybe she's uncomfortable. Like, no, she just doesn't know. That's okay. She's actually quite fit and it's fine. So we're doing a lot of interval type training, lots of transitions. So the first part is her normal warm up, And then this is where it's been fun, where I asked her to come back into work and she's like, excuse you, what did you just ask me to do? Um, so we've been working through that first temper tantrum and just keeping it super easy. Like it's a very simple ask, whether it's just the transition, but I don't care where she goes or focus on straightness, but don't care about the speed. Like just a really simple ask to start. And then the last part is creating those intervals of walk, trot, halt, walk, trot, walk, trot, canter, like just slowly increasing how many transitions we put into a time and lots of reward. And it's sometimes really fun. Sometimes she's not too angry about it. This last week, she was kind of mad because she was napping a little bit stiff. I mean, but it's like a logical approach though, you know? Yeah. And it's it's honestly like each time she's been better. So I'm like, okay, well, this is working out. Like she isn't throwing a temper tantrum in between the first and second ask. It's more like the third to fourth and it's temper tantrums are pretty mild anyway. It's like mostly she stops or her shoulders or like tosses her head around. Like it's not anything super serious. It's like a watching a two-year-old who's not getting the lollipop they want. But it's just helping her like stop to anticipate what the ride's going to be and listen a little bit more. Mm. So, you know, I'm I'm learning too, just with everyone else, learning a little bit more about life on the track and trying to make her adjustment to, I'm going to call it the real world with an amateur owner, a little bit easier. So excited for it though. Excited for both of us to see how our horses deal with some of these more unique challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always count on us to bring it real, the real content Yep, <laughs> of retired racehorse ownership. The wins and the cries every yeah. single time, but I am really excited. So we're starting the year with a pretty unique episode. We're doing a collaboration with Amplify, so a little different than our normal setup, but I think listeners are really going to like it. Um, so we'll be diving into that shortly. But before we do, we're going to hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutritional Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Biotin is a B vitamin and has become commonplace in feed rooms across the world because of its reputation as an effective hoof supplement. An interesting fact that was discovered by researchers looking at biotin's impact on hoof quality was that horses with normal blood levels of biotin still had poor quality hoof horn, and that despite normal blood levels, horses responded to high doses of biotin given orally. This tells us that unhealthy hooves are not necessarily a result of a deficiency. Over the years, multiple other studies have found a statistically significant improvement in overall hoof condition when horses are supplemented with at least 20 milligrams of biotin per day. Researchers found that if improvement in hoof quality was seen within 8 to 15 months of supplementation, the horse would need to remain on biotin the rest of its life to maintain that improvement. 
Other nutrients such as zinc, methionine, and iodine can also affect hoof quality. A well-balanced hoof supplement will contain all of these nutrients in addition to the 20 milligrams of biotin per serving. When you're looking for an affordable, effective hoof supplement, we recommend Caraform Hoof and Coat Supplement. If you want a show ring shine and strong, healthy hooves, you can count on Caraform. You can learn more about Caraform at kppusa.com. Got questions about your feeding program? We can help. Email Karen at questions at kppusa.com or call us at 859-873-2974. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Amplify Horse Racing Podcast in collaboration with the Retired Racehorse Radio Podcast. So we're super excited to bring our audience members this really special episode with a group that I admire, a podcast that I've been able to be part of. Uh, in the past and a mission that Caitlin and I are both really passionate about when it comes to off the track thoroughbred. So I'm excited to welcome Kristen Kovach Bentley and Joy Orr, both co-hosts of the Retired Racehorse Radio podcast. And for any RRR podcast members who are new to the Amplify podcast, I'd like to introduce you to Caitlin Christofferson, who is my co-host. She is part of GSS, the marketing agency. So we love their work and they help us out at Amplify Horse Racing. So thank you so much for joining today. And we're so excited to dive in. Kristen and Joy, thanks so much for jumping on board with this wonderfully crazy idea. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. We love doing collaborative stuff like this. So and you know, and no better folks to do it with. So thanks very much for having us. Absolutely. I had joined Joy on the Retired Racehorse Radio podcast back in, it, gosh, 2020, I think it might have been. I think it was December. Has it been that long? Back when and I had then, a normal voice. That's so exciting. <laughs> and then we finally met in person by accident last year when Amplify was hosting an event at Keeneland for uh, Retired Racehorse Project participants to come out and learn about morning training. And you were having a donut and I, we finally got to meet. So I didn't realize it was you. I know. Like I see you saw me and you're like, joy. It's like a niece. Like it was great. <laughs> it was great to finally meet you. Cause I felt like we've had so many conversations. I mean, we have, because you were on the podcast, but even in between just, it's been such a pleasure seeing everything you've been doing with Amplify and then get a chance to meet you. It just felt like, you know, long-term friendship. It was great. I love the the long distance friends. Like I've met several of my best friends through social media or, you know, through the podcasting or media community in the equine industry. And so it's so fun to be able to have collaborations like this. And I'm I'm just so pumped to have you guys on. It's a small world in equine land and even smaller when you get into thoroughbreds. So Mm-hmm. I think to to start off, I actually don't know a lot of the history of the Retired Racehorse Radio. Can you guys talk through how it developed and, and how it came to be, how long you've been around? Yeah, I can take that one. I'm going to apologize to all your listeners because I don't normally sound like this, but 
I was lucky enough to get the winter sickness that everyone got, but couldn't miss this for the world. I'm so excited to be here. If you listen to Retired Resource Radio, you'll hear my normal voice. You will. So the history about our podcast is we I pitched the idea to Horse Radio Network in 2018. I had just gotten my first off-the-track thoroughbred and realized it was a very big learning curve to kind of retrain her for that. Like a really big learning curve. I was crying a lot. And then I found myself... Yes, yes. And I was like digging for information constantly. And I was like, there's so many people who get these horses. There's got to be a better way to do this. I hope I'm not the only person crying after every time going to the barn. So I pitched this idea. The initial project was called the Thoroughbred 30. And it was going to be like a 30-minute training podcast. And I love how it evolved to Retired Racehorse Radio, where we got to partner. We officially launched February 2019. So we're coming up to our fifth birthday, which is wild and bizarre. Um, Still can't believe people listen. That shocks me regularly. But we ended up making this more a holistic overview of aftercare and retraining and healthcare and how do you rehab. We partnered with New Vocations Resource Adoption Program where their head trainers come out and offer training advice and offer we feature an adoptable horse every single episode, which I really love. That was super important to me because my horse came from New Vocations. And then we also partnered with the Retired Racehorse Project, which is how I met Kristen. And to feature the thoroughbred makeover that really goes into the second careers of horses and just shows the diversity that thoroughbreds can offer to people. Now we've really gotten to branch into standard breads too. So it's just coming full circle. We've done quarter horses, Arabians, and we even had an episode on greyhounds, which I know they're not horsey, but they race too. So anyone who's been on a track is welcome. <laughs> I love that. And we're all dog fans. Like if you're a horse fan, you're a dog fan too. I know. So. Mine's like running around right now. So you might see her at some point. Who knows? Natural, natural collaboration there. No, and I, I love that. We were all talking before the show about the different riding disciplines that we're all involved in in our personal horsey lives. You know, Caitlin is uh, at a hotel because she's at a horse show right now and she's into the hunter jumper world last year i dove into polo which has now become a, a complete and total obsession Kristen, i was saying i had no idea that you were involved in the you know the working ranch horse like you actually use your off the track thoroughbreds for working on your family's ranch enjoy you're involved in dressage so Kristen, handing it over to you, how did you come to this crazy world of off-the-track thoroughbreds? So I think like a lot of people, I saw a video from the makeover and I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. I think I could do that. Because I think in 2017, they ran it like reined cow horse. So you were, you know, coming out and boxing a cow, taking it down the fence and circling it, which is extremely hard to do with a quarter horse that's purpose-bred for that in a year. And I was like, I don't understand how people are doing this with thoroughbreds, but I also think I could do that because I had a whole lot of like false hubris at the time and really thought I was, you know, hot shit. So probably the same year actually that Joy had was crying on her way home. So was I a lot (laughs) with my also chestnut thoroughbred trying to get him ready for the makeover. But we had an excellent time at the makeover. We were seventh in ranch work. We participated in freestyle. So that year at the makeover, they had taken cows out of ranch work. And I was like, 
that was like my one advantage. Like, so they've taken that away. So for freestyle, I found a local cattle producer and she brought me a cow in a trailer and dropped the cow in the ring. And I just chased it around for five minutes and then put it back on the trailer and she left. So, so I still got to work my cow at the makeover. And then right after that, then this communications manager position opened up at retired racehorse project. And they were like, Hey, are you ready to make a move? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And I've been there ever since. So we always say like results, not typical when you do the makeover, you don't necessarily also then get hired by RRP, but it worked out for me that time. So, and then Joy, when did I join retired resource radio? Like two years ago? Yeah. Going on two years. So about two year anniversary in the spring. So, but I will say you were like an ad hoc guest because you would come on pretty frequently. So you're like an unofficial host. And then we just made it official. Right. Yeah. I just got my foot in the door and then my whole leg. and yes. the whole rest of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and but yeah, I mean, they make great ranch horses. We have a lovely time with them. So my husband rides our other one. So we couldn't figure out how to beat the ranch winner in 2018. So we bought him. So that's the horse my husband. <laughs> rides. That, that really worked out. <laughs> yeah. It worked out great for all of us. So yeah, it's just fun. It's, it's nice to be able to share that with my husband too. So, cause otherwise I'd be at the barn all day and he wouldn't see me. So he's like, well, this way I get to see you. So yeah. Might as well join them. Right. (laughs) That is awesome. And Joy, how about the the dressage world? It sounds like you started with Arabians. And then where where did thoroughbreds come into the picture for you? Yeah. So I started with Arabians, which is also a very non-traditional dressage horse. My parents hoped that I would get into reining. That was the goal. That's what they were breeding their Arabs for. I was like, no thanks that saddle's too heavy for me and I'm lazy. So I went the English world and I took a couple lessons on some warm bloods and that was fine. They were so much bigger than my Arabians. So that was a bit scary. I went from like a 14-2 Arab to a 17-3 Percheron thoroughbred cross. Very interesting. My father, I think, almost had a small stroke that day. But as I got older and, you know, my horses were getting older, I had my Arabs all through the last years of their life. I'm 5'8", and I was ready to get my next horse. And I love the quickness and hotness of an era. They're so smart. They're so personable. And thoroughbreds have that same tenacity. And so I was invited by one of my friends to go to the local racetrack. And he's the one who introduced me to them and took me to his farm. Oddly enough, he was fostering my horse from new vocations that I have currently. is a trap. It was a total trap to get her. It's fine. And ever since, like, I just can't see going back. She's been everything that I've asked for. Some things I haven't asked for, they were surprises. But for the most part, it's just, she's made me such an incredible horseman. I I wouldn't be half the writer I am today without her. Or like the everything, like, you know, I'm much better at nutrition. I'm a lot better at first aid, you know. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> well, maybe not Thanks, my but... horse. My horse is a cockroach. Like, yeah, she's going to survive a nuclear it, war. Yeah, your horse is in good shape. Mine are constantly trying to off themselves. So yeah, I get really good at all the other parts of horsemanship too. So <laughs> thanks. But, I mean, mental health wise, like that's a trade off because we got four worlds. There's a lot of personality in my horse. <laughs> I I also have a chestnut, not a chestnut mare, but a chestnut gelding. And there he's the sweetest boy. Also, I like the description of cockroach because he would also probably knock on wood, survive anything, but but the whirls are there. So 
but Caitlin, Caitlin also has the new vocations connection through her off the track girlfriend. So Caitlin, talk about the famous Charles. <laughs> Charles, I actually, you know, I remember listening to retired racehorse radio when I finally decided that I was ready to start my search and trying to figure out, <laughs> do as much homework as possible, figure out what I was getting into. I've been working in the industry for some time. I grew up riding actually Arabians and quarter horses also. And I'd been working in horse racing for about five years. And I just knew how many beautiful, talented, athletic horses there were out there. And so, yeah, I my initial research was a lot of retired racehorse radio listening, any podcasts or any information I could get my hands on. And I found Charles during COVID. He was actually at their Covington, Louisiana facility. And he, I think he was on the website for like a couple of days. And then my, my friend said we were, so we were actually doing some client work. It was about eight months into COVID. We were in Charlestown, West Virginia for the races at Charlestown. And my partner, Molly McGill said there were two thoroughbreds I was looking at and, you know, she saw Charles and all I had was video of him just trotting around an arena. Like didn't know if he could jump, didn't know if he wanted to jump, didn't know, you know, if he wanted to have a saddle on him, anything, but I went for it, put the deposit down and he showed up about two weeks later. And so, yeah, we celebrated our third year together this September and he has been, I mean, I completely relate to the crying, like it's tears, sweat, blood, the self-doubt, the the feeling or like the thinking going in with a lot of hubris and thinking, you know, exactly what you're doing and exactly what the road ahead looks like. And then having that change about 50 million times, but he's, he's been fantastic. I owe so much to him. We have, we've achieved our goals. He's taken me from, or we've taken each other from the two foot hunters to now the national derbies. And he is just fantastic. He's taught me so much horsemanship and so much feel for, you know, exactly not just for jumping, but for just developing a horse properly, getting them balanced, getting them physically, you know, mature and ready. He, you know, like all horses, he he has his thing. So we have to monitor and keep a close watch on his feet and he gets his benefits from his Cairo and (laughs) PEMF and all of that. And, but what he, what he gives back to me and what he's given back to me is, I mean, my, my writing, you know, I, I took a 15 year hiatus between when I was 15 years old and when I was 30 and I would never have thought that I would be back at this level, you know, within a couple of years and and it's all because of him. So yeah, Charles, he, he's wonderful. And I think the, the thing there is, you know, you have to stick with it. I will have to say like it truly, I mean, even to this day, um, he's almost seven. I got him when he was three. It still takes a village. The, the best thing that happened was that at the time, my boyfriend, now fiance, we were, had been dating and it was like relatively new, but 
he was very, very supportive of it. And he has been Charles's biggest fan on the days when I've come home from the barn and said, I can't do this anymore. So having that support around you, you know, whether it's family or significant other or uh, horse friends, podcasts, <laughs> it, it, it has to be there. For, for any, any of the Amplify listeners out there that might not have been through the journey of retraining and off the track thoroughbred, we don't want to scare you away. This is an educational experience. And this is why you should check out other podcasts like Retired Racehorse Radio. But we Amplify, again, this year hosted the same event that you came to last year, Joy, in that during the Retired Racehorse makeover, we hosted a morning out at Keeneland to invite RRP participants and supporters to come watch morning training and to learn about how racehorses are trained. Because by the time you get a horse that has come off track, it's like, you know, being a adult that has gone to university to get your undergrad in one subject And then you realize that you can't have your career in that anymore. So now you have to go back and get a new undergrad for something. And I think it really body physically. (laughs) Exactly. Redevelop your, you know, your, your body physically, mentally. And I think people are really surprised and it really helps too when they understand, you know, well, oh, now I see why my horse doesn't respond to leg pressure. He has a rider on his back or had a rider on, on his or her back with their stirrups hyped way up. So leg pressure was not necessarily a thing, you know, standing for a mounting block, not a thing when your horse is at the track, you know, I think working alone is a big one. Like, yeah, it's hard for me to work horses alone initially because they're barely alone on the track. You know, even if they're breezing, there's other horses out there with them. So they're, they're never really solo. Well, even like manners you take for granted, like cross tying or standing outside the stall or not having a standard routine. So then they get antsy and, you know, with letdown time or aftercare programs, some of those things can get whittled out before it comes to you. But if you're getting one right off the track, you know, our, our show really does try to tell the story from the track. So you know why they have those behaviors when you do bring them home. So you're not getting frustrated and you're like, why are you like this? Well, they don't know anything else. Yeah. (laughs) And to your comment, Anise, about not trying to scare anybody off, that's Mm -hmm. absolutely the case. I would just, you know, my advice now to people, I encourage, I honestly think everybody should do it. I want to see more hunter jumper people doing it because I think they need it. Honestly, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one thing to jump around a warm blood that has been born and bred to do that, but to develop your eye and your riding style on a horse that has to be, you have to use a lot different finesse on is entirely different thing. I would just say for anybody doing it, you know, just, be prepared. It's going to make you a better rider and a better person. I think I've learned a lot about leadership within my company and just, you know, there's a lot of like emotional maturity that, you know, has to come to get through the toughest part. So be prepared to become a better rider and a better person, but just know that you are going to question yourself a lot. You're going to doubt yourself a lot. 
you're going to wonder if, <laughs> if you ever understood horses at all, or if it was all just a fluke. So just be prepared to have a transformational experience. Yeah, I think it's the ultimate rite of passage. They're a horseman's horse. Absolutely. Like, you know, if you want to know if you're a horseman, get yourself an off-track thoroughbred and and then you'll take that thing by the reins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll be like, oh my God, I'm not. I don't know what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but you'll come out the other side and it'll all be great. So yes, everybody should do it. That is so funny. I love that. I remember the first time when my horse, Larry, I did not have a great facility to to retrain him at. We didn't have an indoor or an outdoor arena. It was like a pasture and a gravel road or riding in the paddock. <laughs> and he definitely when I when I took some good contact on his mouth was like, oh, that means go. And he ran me down a ditch and into a oh. farmer's field. And Oops. it's so funny now because he's the sweetest, most docile horse that I I just trail ride with him. But we we definitely had our our come to Jesus moments over time. But that's okay. Again, I'm a better person now. Now I can process more, think more about what the horse is thinking and feeling, regardless of what horse I'm I'm riding or or what discipline it is. You know, I think maybe now I have a more horse first mentality rather than being so focused on my riding. It's more like how can I respond to what the horse is telling me as I ride. So I'd agree with that. I'd hundred percent agree with that. So I don't want to commandeer the the conversation guys. I, I feel like I just, this is our, our co co podcast. Well, I was going to ask the same, like very similar question for our listeners who might not be familiar with amplify just to kind of give a high level of what you do and a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, so Amplify is a 501c3 nonprofit to get youth and young adults involved in the thoroughbred industry and hopefully introduced to pathways to further involvement. So whether that's a career, maybe that's becoming an owner, maybe it is taking on and off the track thoroughbred, maybe it's becoming a more educated and involved fan. So whatever you're interest level and avenue is that you want to go down. We want to help to support you in that. And it's very funny. A lot of our partners and people who we work with through Amplify, Caitlin being a great example, are, you know, not originally from a state that has heavy involvement in the thoroughbred industry, but somehow we became interested and and got connected to this amazing world. And so we're very passionate about if there is a youth somewhere, regardless of what state you're in and how you become interested, whether it's through watching racing on TV. We have a lot of youth who come to us because they saw a movie about a racehorse like Seabiscuit, Secretariat, Dreamer, Racing Stripes. We talked a lot about the movie Seabiscuit on another recent episode. Um, Yeah, yeah. for me, it was the movie Ruffian. And you want to embark on that path to be involved. We want to make it easier. So we do behind the scenes educational tours. We have a mentorship program that's really geared towards 15 to 25-year-olds approximately. We don't have a, a hard and fast age if you're out of that age range. And if you're under 18, you have 
parental support, or if you're over 25 and you want to embark on this journey, you can apply for our mentorship program and we'll pair you up with an industry professional in your area of interest. Or if you don't know yet what area of interest you have, we'll pair you up with somebody who's compatible personality-wise. And they can work together over the course of three months to develop really a next step plan. So, you know, whether you want to go into the aftercare world or learn about sales or the racetrack or marketing and communications, veterinary medicine, we're going to try to set you up with the best possible opportunities to learn and engage with that avenue of the industry. So, our resources have really expanded. It's, Caitlin has been with the podcast from the very beginning. And you know this has turned into a, an incredible resource for us to be able to share with people about you know, explaining avenues of the industry in a really educational, non-industry jargon way. Because I think the, the equine industry in general, we have a lot of terminology that we would understand, but somebody who's outside of that would you know, think it sounds like a foreign language. So we go through and try to explain very nuanced aspects of the industry in a way that somebody could understand and makes it more approachable. So another recent episode was talking about settlements. I'm not even going to try to explain it. Just go listen to the podcast because it's really complicated. But essentially understanding where money goes after it's been wagered on horse racing to you know what the day in the life of a racetrack executive entails. We've had veterinarians on. We've explained rules and regulations. We've talked about aftercare. So trying to just lower those barriers to entry and make the process as approachable as possible. To add to that, Anise, I was going to say, I think what we're trying to do is provide resources that we may not have had when we first got into the industry, because we have very similar stories, you know, being from North Dakota, being from Texas, and then being horse girls, but not race horse girls and, you know, seeing a movie or, you know, reading a book and being inspired and eventually making our way to Lexington and finding a path um, in the industry. But it was, you know, it was took a lot of tenacity and ambition and just kind of being in the right place at the right time. And I think if we want this sport to continue to grow and evolve is going to make it better for everybody, including the retired racehorses. We need to keep bringing young, young, energetic, excited people with different viewpoints and different experiences and different backgrounds into the industry. Very well. I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like it, there, it feels like, you know, when you just drive around or go visit farms and stuff in Lexington, you're like, this feels like a, like an old white man thing <laughs> very much like, you know, <laughs> so I think it's so cool what you guys are doing to help bring in, you know, just. Yeah. You're like, if other... I step on this property, will I immediately be arrested? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, am I allowed to be here? A are you sure? bit, yeah. It kind of yeah. Goes that way. But... So we want to change, <laughs> make it more accessible. And, you know, it's, I guess it goes back to that saying, like, you can't be what you can't see. 
And, and Kristen, that is a, a good point. You know, it, I think a lot of people who aren't involved in the industry would have a very distinct picture of who the faces of thoroughbred racing are. And, you know, the more that we can diversify amongst, you know, how we're engaging young people, where we're engaging young people, showing anybody that they can have an opportunity to be part of the sport, you know, the better it's going to make the whole industry because we're adding new and fresh ideas, new faces, and, you know, it just makes it more fun, right? It's already a global sport, so you might as well just make sure that people from everywhere and anywhere know that they can be part of it and, and take advantage of the opportunities that it offers. Oh, that's why we're so excited to collaborate with you guys, because I think a lot of people like their first involvement with a thoroughbred is an off the track horse. You know, if they're a horse girl that takes yeah. a lesson on an OTTB and they don't know, you know, anything else. And that's not to say that all OTTB riders are racing fans and vice versa, you know, cause they're just not completely inclusive, you know, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Like you, you don't have to like racing to ride a thoroughbred and you don't have to be into OTTBs and horse sports to be into racing, but I think there is so much room for those worlds to come together and realize that like, we're all on the same side here. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so yeah. The more, the more you understand, I think I probably lived in a bubble for a long time too. I was so, I'm going to use the saying blinkers on to just, you know, learn about racing, immerse myself in racing. I loved horses, but kind of like Caitlin, I took a little hiatus for a while, but I think the more I've learned about other riding disciplines and I've really, you know, I guess a lot of that is through the thoroughbred aftercare world, you know, exposed myself to other disciplines and other sectors of the equine industry, the more it enriches your entire experience and and opens your eyes to all the opportunities that are out there in horses in general, you know, it's, it's great to have your your bubble that you're really passionate about, but I think it's also great to explore other other avenues of the industry. And and again, Caitlin, you're such a good example of that because you balance your your career, which you know lends itself heavily to racing so well with your passion, which is showing. Always, always been a goal of mine to be able to horse show and work at the same time. <laughs> so that is the dream, right? Like <laughs> a professional because a professional rider, because that was definitely not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's something that, and as I am into it more now, and now that I do have this horse that, you know, we've now competing successfully in the national derbies and the adult hunters, like I have a platform that I can show people who from both worlds that might not be totally, you know, that their thought process might not be, oh, thoroughbreds can still be hunters, or it might not be in the, you know, racehorse world, oh, we need more exposure at, you know, the rated shows for thoroughbreds. So I feel like I'm able to like, as you mentioned, balance both of those things and hopefully like educate both sides. Cause it's, it's just, it's what I experience and see like on a daily basis when I'm competing. I think some people still think that thoroughbreds can't be competitive as hunters and, you know, it's, it's understandable. People are spending insane amounts of money to import horses from Europe 
but it's definitely, it can be proven otherwise that with time and dedication and the right partner, you know, something that I was saying to Anise before we hopped on was, uh, so I'm actually at a jumper show this weekend and I don't have my thoroughbred with me because he is strictly a hunter. I think a lot of people think, oh, a retired racehorse, it can really only go fast. You know, it, it can't do like the best lead changes or it needs to be an inventor or a jumper if it's going to jump something. He's the opposite. He is a hunter through and through. So <laughs> he has no interest in jumping brightly colored sticks. And it, it just goes to show, you know, how much potential is out there in every horse. And I think the retired racehorse project, one of the amazing things that it does is show how versatile the breed is because it truly, you know, I always thought Arabians were very versatile and quarter horses, but I mean, I'm not sure, you know, I love all all breeds to be certain, but I'm not sure that you could have a similar competition for other breeds where you would be able to have so many different disciplines that you can show the horses it can excel in in such a short amount of time. Yeah, I think that is like, I think it is one of the few events like that where you can stand in one spot and pivot, you know, on the spot and be like, there's 10 disciplines going on right now, (laughs) you know, and a lot of horses cross enter too. So, you know, like we, we don't see a lot of crossover between some disciplines, but like, there's polo, there's freestyle, there's ranch work, there's hunters, there's jumpers, there's the eventing, you know, the, the typical thoroughbred. The field hunters. The, the field I mean, hunters. Oh my gosh, that's like the most fun to watch those. So yeah, that's my shameless plug to come out to the makeover, everybody, and watch the field hunters in the morning. But <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Future goal of mine, definitely to do polo at the makeover. Oh, heck yeah. We would love to see you there. That'd be awesome. Five year, five year plans, five year plan, five. vision board, definitely on there. Oh, let's accelerate that three-year plan. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. We'll get you there. Yeah, that'll be fun. So with you guys with Amplify this year, do you have, you know, particular success stories with the mentorship program in particular or like notable alums or anything cool to share with that program? Yeah, a couple of really interesting stories. We had a mentee from our first year when we launched the program you know, we really, we launched it as a pilot project with specific parameters. We didn't want to accept you know, a whole herd of mentees in our first year. We wanted to have a pretty limited amount, be very targeted and, you know, who we're pairing them with for mentors, making sure that we're kind of handpicking mentors that we knew were going to be very good mentors. Um, and now we have a very specific training program and orientation for people who want to be mentors. They have to have letters of recommendation and a background check and all of that. So we had a mentee in our first intake in 2021 who had already graduated university and had a full-time job, but he was very passionate about racing and had no idea where to start in even considering a career in the industry. And his professional field was in accounting. And when he came into our program, he, you know, we accepted him because he was really ambitious and excited to learn more and wanted to pursue a career. But at the time, it wasn't going to make sense for him to leave his current job to just 
move on and work in the racing industry. And now two years later, this year he reached out to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move on to a new job. And I want that to be in the thoroughbred industry. I'm willing to relocate States. He was in Michigan and he now has a job working at Taylor made here in Lexington, Kentucky. So that was a really exciting example of, you know, you never know when and how it might fit into your life. But if you have a dream and it's something you're very passionate about and you follow that and you follow up with people who are willing to help you, you know, we want to help people make that transition. We had another one of our, our first intake mentees. He, he went through the University of Arizona racetrack industry program He's a senior now, and he. I was at the Global Symposium on Racing in December, and they had a, a small presentation there for students and award winners, and he was selected as the, the top, like honored as the top senior in his program. So it was very exciting to see him. We've had a multitude of mentees that have gone on to you know, careers and internships in the industry. And I'm just, I'm so proud and whether or not they, they go on to actually work in racing or work in the thoroughbred industry in some capacity, at least we know they're leaving our program with a better understanding and a respect for how the industry works. And hopefully they've had a positive experience and they can, you know, speak positively about the thoroughbred industry as a whole. Caitlin on our last episode got to meet two of our star mentees from this year, Sydney Patrick and Paula Castro. They are both, one of them is interested in, in breeding and really the farm world. The other one is interested in veterinary medicine. They were selected through, we did a special travel award program this year for outstanding mentees. We awarded them with a, a travel grant to come to Kentucky in November and really go behind the scenes of all aspects of the industry. So they went to Ashford Stud. We went to Windstar to learn, learn about breaking and training. We went to new vocations. They got to experience the Keeneland November sale, look at horses with a consigner, look at horses with a bloodstock agent. We had a young professionals networking event. So it was, it was a really exciting year for the mentorship program. I could go on about it for a long, long time. But on the subject of exciting things this year, I was telling Caitlin this earlier. I would say the highlight of 2023 was actually Briarfest. <laughs> <laughs> we we were a little bit trepidatious about dipping our toes into that world because I had never gone to Briarfest as a kid. It was always something I probably would have loved to do, and I still to this day have a ton of briar horses, but it was such a great place to interact with kids that are just so hungry to be involved with horses. Like there were a lot of them that, that we interacted with and actually Amplify teamed up with um, horse country to conduct engagement there, have what we called an activation. So we had an equisizer where kids could learn how to ride a racehorse. We had a a photo op with uh, a giant life-size picture of Rachel Alexandra, a touch and feel feed station, a touch and feel tack station. We gave away a, a thoroughbred themed briar horse every day. 
We taught kids how to make a racetrack in a test tube. And the kids were just, they asked such good questions and they just want to be around horses, learn more about horses, immerse themselves in the horse world. And so it was so fun. And I'm sure you guys can appreciate this to, as a, you know, a, a horse girl. So take yourself back to being a horse kid and just being so hungry for that immersion with horses. So Briarfest was 10 out of 10. We will be there every year. Come visit us. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like such a rewarding year. And like the work that you get to do is so rewarding too. You know, like I used to teach riding at the university level for a few years. One part I really miss is like the mentoring young people that are really happy to be learning. I'm like, that's the part I miss the most is like that rewarding process of like, you know, seeing people leave your program and like know that they're, you know, at least they have the tools, you know, to continue if they want to. So that's really cool. Yeah. Good for you guys. Well, and a couple of other successes, just to mention really quickly, Anise is, you know, our work with the Horse Racing Women's Summit. Yeah. And both of us being there, you spoke or moder- you were on a panel. Yeah. About, mm-hmm. about Amplified Mentorship uh, specifically. And then we even got to meet Paolo there, which was fantastic because her Amplified Mentor was the one who convinced her to come. And she was absolutely lovely and met so many amazing women in the industry from friends and peers her age to Stephanie Hironis. And that was just huge. And then Anise, you moderated at Racing Symposium last week on success stories in thoroughbred racing for the year. I'm glad you touched on the Horse Racing Women's Summit because um, Kristen and Joy, you guys should definitely... Put it on your, you know, already very busy calendars. I know I that mean, I just, I just googled. I'm like, okay, tagging that for later because I need to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is so much fun, and it's such a welcoming, inclusive environment. And so, yeah, it was awesome to see a couple of our mentees be able to come and actually connect with their mentors there in person. And um, Caitlin, it was. It was partially you who really gave me the push that I needed to put the Global Symposium on Racing on my agenda for this year. And then getting asked to moderate was like the final, you you actually need to go. But it was awesome to actually make it out to, you know, conferences and symposiums and have that further engagement with the industry. And that join Kristen, HRWS next year. Put it on your calendar because it, it's a blast. Great. We will hopefully be releasing some information very early in 2024 about meetups and dates and the the summit. So, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll put it on our calendar. Yeah, because who knows? That'd be fun. Joy and I never get to actually meet in person, so it'd be really cool to actually go to an event together. <laughs> we talk. Kristen, Kristen it, yeah, are, you, are you in New York? Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, like rural New York. Like everyone's like, Oh, New York city. I'm like, no, like Buffalo, like (laughs) South of Buffalo. It's actually faster for me to get to Lexington than it is for me to get to New York city. So. Wow. And Joy, you're in Michigan, right? I am in the Metro Detroit area. So Chris and I actually live like four and a half hours from each other. It's not not a bad drive, but like the one time we got together, it become 
it's like a whole weekend for our husbands just to hang oh out. Oh my God, they had so much fun. Yeah. They did have fun, but I would love to do something where it doesn't involve them. Yeah, I mean, it was great. But yeah, if there's like a horse racing women's husband symposium, we could just, yeah. the two of them can set that up and hang out together. We just out. leave yeah. them at home. That's fine yeah. too. Yeah, that's also fair. <laughs> I actually, I love that. My, my boyfriend is involved in racing and I have another friend whose boyfriend is more like a horse show boyfriend in training. And they ran into each other. Like we all met up at the phase Egypt in November sale. And it was so funny. It was like the horse husbands unite, you know, it's like they had their own. It's a thing. We did it at makeover too. Like they like find each other and it's like this little pod. I'm like, you all make fun of girl groups, but look at you. Oh yeah. They like, they move in a pack. Yeah. Like that's why we got the the beer truck that one night is for the guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like that scene in Step Brothers. Like, do we just become best friends? They're all like, "Mm -hmm." yeah. And they all run around together. I know. It's like Zach, (laughs) Neil and Neil Agate and... Tom Mann, they all got together. <laughs> Once you get Tom Mansman involved. Oh my gosh. The, and they, yeah, they were just going for like, oh, let's like get a big Airbnb next year, guys. And like, we'll do like these big cooking classes because my boyfriend's in the <laughs> culinary world. And I'm like, what? I just, <laughs> I just want to enjoy this horse show. I want to get some good interviews. Like, what are you doing right now? It's like, we're going to go to the Mansman's and we're going to go do polo down there. It's like, what? <laughs> it's got the whole year planned out (laughs) i love that one last thing to worry about entertaining though like at least you know that they can entertain themselves yeah just turn them loose they'll they'll figure it out i like too that there's that camaraderie of like oh does your wife or significant other do they do this with their horses are they always talking about them are they always stressing about them and it's like yeah like it's yeah you you are with a horse girl what do you like we we have some threads that run among us and so a support group together to be honest it'd probably be very popular <laughs> we did we actually did a husband's episode where we had joy's boyfriend and and my husband eric were our main guests and then we had our network okay. head glenn interviewed them about being a racehorse horse husband Yes. <laughs> so was, that was a good time so you I know we're here for that. everybody <laughs> so funny. there really is something for everyone right? yeah oh my gosh yeah if you can think of it there's a podcast for it so you know, yes welcome <laughs> welcome to this world that's <laughs> true what was your guys's highlight of 2023 well um, actually like for us as a podcast i think honestly the weekend we got to actually spend together like goofing around yeah. was really really fun <laughs> because know, otherwise it's, been we like, just it's been years in the making down. Like even before our podcast in Kristen, I think I was an auditor in 2014. Like you and I have been talking for years. Like we're going on like 10 years of knowing each other. Like internet friends. Yeah. Never give up. You'll meet your internet friends someday. Yes. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> exactly. So that was just a lot of fun. And I feel like a big highlight for me in particular was our making the makeover series. It was our second year doing it, but I just felt like it really solidified the concept. So when we first started Retired Resource Radio, we would feature a competitor for the Retired Resource Project all the way from March up until like show date in October. And in the beginning, like we changed who it was each time to try to hit as many disciplines as possible. And it was fun. But 
the way we changed it the last two years, where we had like a core group of people joining us every episode, and you got to see every part of their journey. And that was really cool. And I feel like they, uh, for me and for Kristen too, like they become lifelong friends. I Snapchat with most of them or at least talk to them every day. And, you know, we cried with them. We laughed with them. Like the theme of this year was like, well, you know, if it wasn't great, at least it's content. Like, (laughs) yeah, we're going to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, they would find each other at the makeover and like they hype each other up. And it's just, it was really rewarding that we kind of helped create a smaller community, but like they're, they're the people you're rooting for at the end of the day, like people got to know them months before and then see them compete. And that, that was a really yeah. rewarding experience. So excited to have our third cycle coming up. It's wild. And we had a lot of applicants too, which was really cool mm-hmm. to be a wow. part of that. So you guys, yeah. people can actually apply to be featured yeah, yeah. We, we just put, put a out. post out in the trainers group. So there's a, a closed secret group. I don't know if it's a secret group or not, but it's a, a group on Facebook for past and current makeover trainers. So once applications go out, you know, people can join and then, you know, it's just kind of a safe place for them to be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, my horse is doing X, Y, or Z, please help me. And we just put out a call of like, who wants to talk about their makeover journey and is comfortable talking about their makeover journey. And a lot of people think they are. And then you turn the recorders on and they're like, so, (laughs) you know, it is what it is, you know, but like people who are like willing to be candid about like what's going great and what's also not going great. You know, that's a big thing is like, you have to be willing to talk about the ugly parts too, you know, but like, we'll make it fun. We'll make it great. And yeah, we got like, 20 some people who were like, yeah, because the the first year we we handpicked them just (laughs) to ensure we were picking people who like stuck with the mission of the makeover because mm-hmm. we don't want it to be like too self-promoting either we wanted like, people, people who are willing to tell their story and talk yeah. you know and then, then people that kind of like represent sort of the gamut of trainers you know so like adult amateurs who are doing this for the first time we have professionals i think we had a junior last year we um, did and like she was um, so well spoken like i know i was like she was like 30 17 year old like gosh and she was showing every week together. and i'm like I I need like just half of her energy. I'd be so yeah. successful. The makeover this year in general was just like such a cool experience for us, you know, because I'm there full time anyway for working for RRP. But the number of people who came up to us, like just walking around the horse park and were like, hi, I don't know you. You don't know me. But like, I listened to the podcast. Oh, yeah. and I just want to say I love you guys. It was like really moving. Like the number it was of like the first time being recognized way. in public. Yeah. And it scared me because people are like, it was weird. And I'm like, hi, do I know you? <laughs> yeah, like, I listened to retired resource radio. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, I get so excited about it. But the first initial would scare me. Like, do I know these people? Yeah, it was Should weird. Like the people? first day. But yeah, by like Thursday afternoon, I was like, this is really cool. You know, that like so many yes. people listen and like go out of their way to tell you that they appreciate, you know, what you're doing. So it was really neat, you know, because otherwise it just feels like Joy and I are just like screaming into the void twice a month, which is fine. <laughs> We're happy to do that. It's but it's also good to know that like there's listeners and the, they respond well and they like it, you know? So yeah. yeah thank you guys. Well, and I, we totally do the same thing. We're like, well, we know we always have two listeners. Our yeah, it's us. Yep. Uh, <laughs> our producer thank you yeah <laughs> actually it was really it was great this year there were like a couple of full circle moments when um so one of the interns that we ended up bringing on for women's summit she found out about women's summit through listening to our podcast and 
that was that was great. <laughs> we hope we can do more like that in the future. I actually think we have a listener in the mentor program this year. So, and also oh, someone awesome. I know from our horse show series. So yeah, she got hit with thoroughbreds on multiple sides and was like, I think I'm going to do this thing. So that shout out to Laren. So... <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that is. I so love yeah, Laren, that. if Laren listens to both podcasts, she's like, right now. <laughs> she's gonna, <laughs> she'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> So yeah, we also show with her. Laren's mentor, she got a really, I mean, all of our mentors are cool and awesome. Shout out to all of our amazing mentors who share their time with us. But her mentor is Jessica Paquette, who is the announcer for Parks and the first female announcer, first woman to announce a grade one race in North America, I believe if I'm correct. So yeah, Laren got, got a really cool mentor who has some extra special fame and her mentor I can confidently say because I talked to her last weekend also loves Laren so we love her I don't want to embarrass Laren but like we it was the first horse of the year okay I'm gonna embarrass Laren so (laughs) sorry Laren and she I was like leading my horse through the showgrounds and it was early I was like I think right after everybody got paired up and she pops out of her horse trailer and she's reading her phone and she's like do you know who Jessica Paquette is and I was like girl, <laughs> girl, you don't even know. Like you scored big time on this mentorship thing. And she's like, okay, like, go get dressed for your class. I'll tell you later. Like it was so cute. And she was just like, who, who is this? I was like, oh, okay. Cause she's you know, like, she's very new to the racing industry, but the more, you know, she listens to retired resource radio and hopefully is listening to the Amplify podcast. Like, I think she's like the model mentee, you know, of like someone who that. just wants to get involved and learn more and, you know, wants to find her path. So. Well, like slight side topic, but I was just thinking all this conversation, the mentorship, I was like, oh my gosh, Anise, when you came on to Retired Resource Radio, it was for the pilot program of the mentorship program. You were just getting started. So it's like we've come full circle today. And I'm so excited for that. We're we're finally a thing. And it's still, it's the same kind of feeling for me. Like when people apply, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're applying. Like, they like us. There are people really out like there. They, li- they like us. They're excited. What I love even more, though, is I have to get it. I have to embarrass Anise. Give a big shout out to her. I remember when Anise was an intern <laughs> at Keeneland on the notes team. And she was, because um, I'm a, a, a couple years older than you. So I had already been working in the industry for a bit. I think it was with Windstar, already with Grand Slam at that time. And I just thought, this girl is sharp. (laughs) She is going places. And, you know, to see what she's done in the past several years from from when we first met, it's it's not a surprise, but it's fantastic to see. And it's doing so much for the industry. Thank you. And it's amazing to see what, what we've done and how we've grown and growing this platform and having these kinds of conversations is so important for again like improving accessibility of the industry and making people feel welcome so it's awesome i love this stuff this has been such a fun episode guys thank you so much for jumping on board with this well thanks for having us and vice versa yes thank you let's do this again (laughs) we should we should totally do it again and tell viewers where people can find you you can find us on social media. We are Retired Resource Radio on Facebook and Instagram. And if you go to 
horseradionetwork.com. Uh, you can find all of the Horse Radio Network family of podcasts. Including yep. And we're on Radio. any podcast player too. So if you like Spotify, Apple, you can just look up Retired Resource Radio. Awesome. And yeah, same thing for us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, at Amplify Horse Racing. We're on X. I have to say X. <laughs> formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> at Amplify Racing. People can get in touch with us at info at amplifyhorseracing.org and find us on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. It's the Amplify Horse Racing podcast. We keep it very straightforward. So, yeah, next time we're all in the same place. We're definitely going to have to have a horse girls slash podcast friends unite kind of moment and get together and get all the horse show boyfriends and husbands together oh as my well. Gosh, oh, they'll love them up. They'll love it. Round them up. And no, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you guys in person again, whenever that might be. Definitely at a horse thing or at a track somewhere. And thank you guys again. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So much. It was so wonderful to meet y'all. Same. I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But I we're at the trade show and this is the point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cash will have new coming out? Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So uh, describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright, sharp looking pads. What, are the, what makes them different? Uh, well, it's the fill. The, the, the wool felt on the inside is a natural felt. And the fleece on the bottom is a hundred percent merino. Oh, really? Okay. So th- these are soft and squishy pads. Well, not real squishy, but soft, and and they do absorb shock and and saddle fit. What would they retail for? What are those? That's you about a hundred and nineteen. That's the right price. Yeah. Anything else new with Cashel coming out? Oh, we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall. A uh, new strap line coming in the fall. It's uh, a two tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it. There's, we're always in development, so there's so many things, projects in the works. What's still your most popular product? Is it still always the same things year after year? Uh, fly. You've got yeah. fly, fly that's protection. What we all, that's, always what, it. that's how I knew you in the first place was fly. Fly masks. Yep. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today, we've broadened that offering to saddlebags, uh, strap head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, it continues to grow. Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the products? Uh, Cashelcompany.com will give you a good offering. There you go. Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank you. Good to see you. Well, happy January, listeners. That means it is Retired Resource Project Thoroughbred Makeover 2024 application time. Applications are now being accepted for the 2024 Thoroughbred Makeover. So if you have a horse in your barn that you are thinking about or you haven't gone shopping yet, but you're still really interested in getting involved, now is the time. Applications are only open through January 19th. Uh, After that, you will have to pay a late fee. We will probably still 
uh, look at your application, but you just definitely want to get that in there sooner rather than later. Save yourself that late fee and get started with everybody else. Plus, if you get your application in on time and you are accepted, you run a much better chance of being one of our Making the Makeover featured writers for 2024. We're really excited to bring that series back, but we cannot feature you until you apply. So head over to therrp.org and start your application process right now. Even under the best circumstances, travel is stressful for horses. We've all been there, stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You can make the journey knowing that U.S. Rider is there for you. Get peace of mind on the road with U.S. Rider's nationwide 24-7 roadside assistance coverage for both you and your horse. Join today at usrider.org. Well, we are back with our friends at New Vocations. Tonight, we are joined by Winnie Morgan Nemeth. Welcome back, Winnie. Thank you for having me. So, Winnie, you are obviously involved with the standard bread side of New Vocations, which I think most listeners know by now. Uh, Conveniently, we had for our training segment today, we had a listener question come in that I think is perfect for us to address tonight. Um, So, Instagram handle Planet Nice Crafts, who is Caroline. Hello, Caroline. She wants to know, where can you look up standard bread race record information? Well, that's a great question. Thank you, Caroline, for asking that question. So, much like uh, the Jockey Club or Equibase, where you might look up a thoroughbreds pedigree, you can also look up what your standard bread or what a standard bread has done to see uh, one if they're registered in their race record. And that can be found by going to ustrotting.com. And then while on US Trotting, you would want to click to Pathway. And Pathway is, is the program that I use. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> hundreds of times a week, probably, uh, <laughs> looking up many, many horses. Um, there is a small charge for it. So you could actually put in the horse's microchip number, or if they have a freeze brand, their freeze brand, and get like their name and their information if they were enrolled in a program called Full Circle. And I'll talk about that in a second. But if you want to pay, I think it is $1.75 to look up exactly the horse's pedigree, how many starts they had, when their last race was, or if they were raced, if they're a mare, it will note if they've ever had foals. It will also note when they were bred. Pathway is is something, like I said, I use every day, but as in terms of a resource, which tells you everything about a horse, I don't know another breed that documents everything as well as US Trotting does for the standard breds. I also can do the same thing on the for AQHA.com because I have a quarter horse. And I'll tell you what, it's so hard for me to figure out one, how many points he has, or if my daughter qualified for something, I am complaining constantly. I wish it was like pathway where I can just type in my horse's name and look everything up and it's all there. It's just such a great resource that we have. And they do such a great job of documenting everything. Um, And they started a program, oh goodness, now probably, I don't want to say, but maybe 20 some years ago called Full Circle. And what Full Circle is is if somebody is interested or if should say if that horse is ever in need, someone entered them in full circle. And what they do is it contact gives you their contact information. So it doesn't mean that they're providing a home for the horse. It doesn't mean they're going to take the horse back or buy him out of a bad situation. It just means they did care at one time about that horse and they'd like to be contacted if he's in need of help or she is in need of help. So 
Full circle is really nice. I don't know if they have something like that on the thoroughbred side. One thing that we do at New Vocations is when the horse goes through our program, we put them in full circle under New Vocations. So that way, if the owner or the trainer didn't do that, then we did that. And at least, again, it's just another precaution. Another thing you can see when you pull up on um, Pathway is if the horse has pleasure horse papers. And we are encouraging all owners to change their horses or convert them to pleasure horse papers. And what that means is that they would never be uh, raced again. So if somebody, say, down the road got their hands on a horse, because I have like currently a two-year-old that's in rehab. Imagine if he's 10 years old and somebody got a hold of him, he's a very well-bred trotter, and they tried to, you know, want to enter him to race. That can't ever happen. So um, the Pleasure Horse Papers came into existence just about six years ago, and that's been very, very nice, again, to have for our um, standard breads. And it's right there in Pathway when you were to type in that horse's freeze brand or microchip number, all of that information would come up. I love that. I love that full circle program, too. That's like such a nice proactive you know, way to, you know, try to get ahead of stuff like that. So that's really yes. cool. Yes, so with the, um, nice. with the pleasure horse papers, is there any benefit like is um, U.S. trotting using that information just to sort of like see how horses are moving through second careers? Like my guy's going to be 20 this year. Okay. So it's like, obviously he's too old to race and I don't <laughs> intend for him to like leave my hands, but is it helpful for me to do the pleasure horse papers just so that someone sees like, oh, this horse has found his way to an owner? <laughs> well, being that he's 20, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, what no they are really hoping <laughs> for is that um, horses of racing age, it takes them out of the racing population. Okay. So it does kind of show that one, that they're, they're not racing anymore. So obviously they're doing something different. And they just, you know, would like to be made aware of like, is this horse racing or is it not racing? So something that we're encouraging all of our owners, donors, trainers, you know, if they have access to do that, obviously it's whoever is down on paper is owning that horse. And right. then what it does is if, if you adopt that horse through new vocations, we have a two-year contract. Once you fulfill that contract, we can give you those pleasure horse papers and you can put that horse in your name. Um, it was much harder to do that with their racing papers. So it makes that a lot easier um, because so many owners want to, you know, say that they own their horse and, you know, U.S. Trotting understood that. So um, the Jockey Club makes that a lot easier on horse ownership and converting and changing papers, but uh, the standard reds do not. So, and I understand they're trying to protect their breed integrity and all of that, but with second careers, it has made it easier uh, to show that those horses are not racing anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh gosh, we could do a whole episode on that, on like how easy or difficult it is to get papers, you know, and what value that <laughs> yes. brings, you know, because I know so many people, at least on the jockey club side, are like, why can't I get my horse's papers? Why can't I get them? And, you know, a lot of race folks will not let those papers leave their own hands, you know, and it's like, okay, in a second career, you don't really need it, but it is kind of a nice, st- you know, especially if you do come out of the AQHA world where the papers are everything. Yes. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, interesting, just the cultural differences, you know, breed to breed. So, yeah, that's a whole different episode. <laughs> we could do that for hours. Yes, yes. So how I wish, you know, the AQHA would have a way of tracking their horses, but I don't think that will ever happen. Right. But goodness, yeah. it's so nice to be able to um, identify our horses on the racehorse side um, with both thoroughbreds and standard breads. It's just, it makes, it's amazing. Well, and having it all in one, like a one-stop shop too, I think is really cool because it is a little more difficult to figure out how to look up, you know, and, and thoroughbreds aren't lip tattooed anymore, but it, for me, it wasn't very easy to figure out where to look that up. And with the 
standard breads, you know, you just go to that one spot and plug that yes. number in and there's your horse. So yeah. Yes. It's been much so easier. easy. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I just <laughs> like I I said, had a I flashback. Use it daily. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably like you're marked in their system. They're like, this IP address keeps coming back so many times. Yes. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I had a flashback to my AQHA days and how difficult it is to navigate their system. So AQHA, if you're listening. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> please. I just have one of them, oh my but gosh. it's, it's very hard to track down numbers and uh, points and all of that. And it just shouldn't be when I can look up a horse and be like, Oh, you earned $600,000, 350 times you raced. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. Well, speaking of horses who raced, tell us a little bit about our adoptable horse of the week. Touch of Catherine. She is so lovely. She is lovely. Doesn't she have such a classy head, like an eye, like so much wisdom is in that face. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, know, I just want to go and hug her oh, <laughs> looking at <yes>. these pictures. <laughs> so um, Touch of Catherine is part of our Matron of Honors program, which is our retired broodmares program um, that we started now almost two years ago. And um, it's just been really exciting to see these retired broodmares, no matter what their age was that they're done with that career moving on into we'll say their third career and um touch of Catherine is a 2007 pacing mare and she had and i can easily see because i'm looking at pathway right now she had 20 starts and raced 58,000 times she also was a mother of six foals and her foals are earned 274,000 dollars um her owners were deciding that they didn't want to breed her anymore and send her to us. And she has just transitioned really well. Some of these girls take a little bit more time and she's definitely been one of one of those that's taken a little bit more time. She was not sure that, you know, a rider up on her, you know, she's trying to make everyone happy and she wasn't sure that's what, what we were wanting. She was a little nervous, but it's been so great to watch her transition to, into now going out on trail rides with other horses She's happy to lead. She's happy to follow. She's good at the mounting block. Um, she's great now with you like shifting in the saddle. That used to be an issue. And as you can imagine, that's something, you know, to go right from racing to the breeding shed. You're a mom. Now you're not. <laughs> Her life totally changed. Yeah, that's a lot of changes. Yeah. Yes. And um, she did come to us with a lot of weight. Um, she had a rump like a peach. She was <laughs> very round <laughs> as, you know, some, oh, some mothers that have had a lot of babies are. And so we worked on, um, with our vet closely on just helping her easily lose some weight. We put some shoes on because it did look like she possibly could have foundered earlier in her life. She is now sound riding with shoes She's dropped some weight <laughs> and it's just, her life's a lot easier. I mean, it was, she was very overweight, beautiful, but very overweight. And I'd rather see that than, than the other side that we right. see a lot more skinny. Um, she's been so well taken care of. And um, now she's just like goes out with her friends and she can run and play and have fun because before she was just so large, um, oh, she's <laughs> such, such a beautiful mare. So kind, tries to please. She's going to be a great friend to any horse. Like she has that mothering instinct. She's happy. Uh, she goes out with other mares right now. I'm, you know, and maybe one gelding she might fall in love. I'm not sure. We don't really recommend that. But you know, to trail rider with other horses, she's just been fantastic. And so she is available now. We do have our um, December special going, which is really really nice. 
I love her. And I believe she is related to my horse. Western Terror, is he by Western Hanover? He is, yes, by Western Hanover. You're I was right. going to say, I was like, I see a lot of Wes in this man, like the facial expressions. <laughs> and I'm like, I think, yeah, I think uh, Wes is her uncle. <laughs> and Wes yes. is a delight. So I'm going to say this family is going to be boss. So yeah, somebody needs to run out and adopt this mare. She is so sweet. She is. And I mean, she's not spooky or anything. Like, I mean, just great to handle. Um, You know, none of the things that people, you know, really don't like. She's been seasoned and you can tell that, but she's just a wise girl. We've, we've really enjoyed seeing her transformation. Just going to casually text this link to my mom real fast. Go right ahead. uh, (laughs) See if mom wants to adopt a horse here. All right. Okay. All right. Carry on. (laughs) So yeah, we're excited to have her. Um, and we have um, another mare that just got posted today. So I just, I love our brood mares. I, I am so excited to see this program um, do well, even though, you know, we're placing about 12 to 15 mares a year. It's been really great to see them transition. Oh, that's really cool. That's uh, such a nice program that you guys are doing and, you know, very well needed in the industry. Yes. Like I, I know that, you know, I know we don't really know the numbers on horses like that looking for a home, but the fact that these programs are, you know, coming into the spotlight more and more, I think it's just such a lovely thing for the industry. So very yes, cool. It really is. Yes. All right, folks, you know where to go, newvocations.org or horseadoption.com and get those applications in so that you do not miss out on horses like Kate, who I hope you all are going to miss out on because maybe my mom will adopt her. So we'll see how oh, it goes. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Winnie. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that fun collaborative episode with Amplify Horse Racing. Uh, They're a really cool group. We encourage you guys to take a look and get involved. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at horseradionetwork.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can find me on Instagram at The Horseback Rider and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at therp.org. You can find me on Instagram at MissFitMare and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company, and to our partners, New Vocations Resource Adoption Program and the Retired Resource Project. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And add more leg. And wash your hands. Bye, guys. (laughs) 